Before this episode starts, I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the podcast feed of the Mason Talk Sports Show and wherever you may be listening, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, or wherever. Just make sure you leave a good rating, preferably five stars, and of course, subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. And without further ado, enjoy the episode. Welcome in to the Mason Talk Sports Show. Today is Tuesday, June 29th, 2021, and we have a lot of things to discuss on the show. I want to talk about three players on the Browns roster who I believe could be in a position to take a leap during the 2021 season. I also want to talk about the one key factor that Jalen Suggs brings that might draw the attention of the Cleveland Cavaliers with the third pick in the NBA draft. But before we get to those topics, we need to talk about system quarterbacks. Now, the reason why this is a topic is because earlier today on ESPN, multiple analysts, including former NFL GM Mike Tannenbaum, suggested that Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield could be a system QB. And if you're a system QB, the logic follows that you are therefore replaceable. Now, this brought an interesting question into my mind. And that question is, what really is a system quarterback? Because I don't think most people know. Now, The reason why I don't think most people know is because of the sheer number of players who have been given this label. We have seen players from Case Keenum and Jared Goff be labeled system quarterbacks to much, much more talented quarterbacks such as Baker Mayfield and even Tom Brady during his time with the New England Patriots be given this title. People throw around the term system quarterback like it's nothing. I mean, there are so many quarterbacks in the league right now who could fall under the 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 broad, you know, range of what the, you know, general public considers to be a system quarterback. So we need to narrow it down. We need to figure out what really is a system quarterback if we're going to determine if Baker fits that mold. Now, this is what I believe a true system quarterback is. I think a system quarterback is a player who succeeds because of a system. His talents are due in part to the system. Now, the opposite of this, or or other quarterbacks, succeed and their success is amplified by the system. Like when you look at Patrick Mahomes, we know that he is a good quarterback, and with most teams, he would be a successful player. But because of his you know stellar coaching from Andy Reid, his talents are amplified, and he's able to go out and put up these monster numbers and compete in Super Bowls. Patrick Mahomes is not a system quarterback. He's a quarterback whose talents are amplified by Andy Reid's system. So that's the difference. You have quarterbacks who succeed because of a system and quarterbacks whose success is amplified by a system. Now, when you look at Baker Mayfield and you compare it to those two categories, let's be honest with ourselves. Which mold does Baker Mayfield better fit. 
I think there's more evidence to suggest that Baker's talents are amplified because of the Kevin Stefanski system. Now, the reason I believe this is because of the sheer amount of coaching that Baker has experienced in his three years in the National Football League. In three seasons, Baker Mayfield has played for four head coaches, four different head coaches. You had Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, Freddie Kitchens, and now, of course, you have Kevin Stefanski. And what has been the one consistency among all four of those coaches? Baker Mayfield has at least been a good quarterback. Now, 2019 was its whole different story. Baker wasn't necessarily a great, great player. Obviously, he had massive issues with interceptions. But when you look at basically every other moment of Baker's career, whether he be playing with Hugh Jackson or Greg Williams or Kevin Stefanski, he has shown similar talents. Baker Mayfield is a quarterback who can make plays with his legs. He can scramble. He can buy time in the pocket. And of course, he has the talent of incredible accuracy. Baker Mayfield is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. His deep ball is one of the most accurate deep balls in the National Football League. And those talents have shown with every coach he's played for. Baker Mayfield showed those talents with Hugh Jackson. He showed those talents with Greg Williams. He even showed flashes of that potential with Freddie Kitchens. That's what drove everybody so crazy about the Freddie Kitchens regime. It it, it was that we still saw the flashes of Baker Mayfield's potential, even when they were being wasted by one of the worst coaches in the history of the league. What did we see when Kevin Stefanski took over? We saw those talents amplified. We saw Baker Mayfield's accuracy amplified. We saw his scrambling and playmaking ability amplified in his use of the play-action passing game, which Kevin Stefanski obviously put a a huge emphasis on. Play-action passing was a big part of Baker Mayfield's game because Kevin Stefanski knew that Baker Mayfield was very accurate and almost a better passer in in play action scenarios baker mayfield had these talents he carried these talents into his third year and then with the good coaching the great coaching of kevin stefanski who literally won an award for coach of the year those talents were amplified if you are a good quarterback in the national football league if you truly have talent that talent is going to show no matter which coach you played for and that is what we have seen with baker Mayfield. The question is, will you have the correct coach to amplify those talents? One player who I think in particular is a good comparison for Baker Mayfield is Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's career looked like it could be cut pretty much short when he was playing with the Dolphins because they just didn't know how to use him. They didn't know how to make Ryan Tannehill an effective quarterback. And then as soon as he got to the Tennessee Titans, where he obviously had a different coaching staff led by Mike Rabel, suddenly Ryan Tannehill's talents were amplified. And for a brief moment in time during last season, he was even playing at arguably an MVP level. If you have talent, it's going to show no matter where you play, but if you have a great coach, 
It's going to show even more. It's going to shine even brighter. And that's that's one of the key things that NFL teams need to consider. Number one, when they're evaluating coaches. And number two, when they're evaluating quarterbacks. If your quarterback has talent, but you feel like he's he's missing something, he's missing like an it factor, maybe it's the coach. It might be the coach's fault. And when you're looking at coaches and you're, you know, scouring through offensive coordinators or passing game coordinators, whatever, when you're looking throughout the league for for these coaches, one thing you can one thing you should 100 percent be considering if you're an NFL owner, can this coach amplify the talents of our quarterback or of any quarterback? That's a big question. Kevin Stefanski answered that with Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski's system amplified Baker Mayfield. It doesn't make him. He's not a system quarterback. He is a good quarterback who's thriving in a certain system. Every quarterback thrives in a certain system. One player who I think is is, is it would would fit better under the label of system quarterback than Baker Mayfield is Lamar Jackson. I mean, look at Lamar Jackson. If if you took Lamar Jackson out of the Baltimore Ravens scheme uh that that Greg Roman has you know drawn up where it's basically Lamar Jackson is used you know more in the running game than he is in the passing game if you took Lamar Jackson out of that and made him strictly a drop back passer or a pocket passer would Lamar Jackson survive would his talents still show the answer is probably no Lamar Jackson is a better example of a system quarterback because he thrives because of the Ravens system Baker Mayfield is not that he doesn't fit that mold. He's not a system quarterback. He is a he's a good quarterback who who luckily was given a great coach. We need to stop undermining Baker Mayfield and undermining his talents because he does have talents, very valuable talents, and talents that not many Cleveland Browns quarterbacks have had in recent you know memory. So my answer to this question would be no. Baker Mayfield is not a system quarterback. Let's move on to topic number two. Three players who I think could take a leap for the Cleveland Browns in 2021. Now, when I'm looking at at these players and considering um, whether or not they'd be you know, able to take a leap, the three things I look at most are their play from last season, their sort of fit uh, this season, you know how they fit on the roster, and and whether or not they 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 were putting in work during the off season, and we're gonna go from three to one, and the first player I want to talk about, number three, is safety Ronnie Harrison. Now I have no doubt that Ronnie Harrison is is putting in the work and is committed to bettering himself as a player and getting himself ready for the season. And that's a great thing for the Cleveland Browns because we're desperately in need of of help at safety. And that's one of the main reasons why the Browns went out and signed John Johnson III. That obviously is why a lot of people are excited to see if Grant Delpit can still perform despite the Achilles injury that he suffered last year. And that's why I think a lot of people are going to be excited about Ronnie Harrison. Because last year, on a defense that, quite frankly, was awful most of the time, Ronnie Harrison was a little bit of a bright spot. Ronnie Harrison was a playmaker. He went out and, you know, pretty much was was consistent when he was healthy. When Ronnie Harrison was off the field, the Browns' defense was significantly worse. 
And I think that just when you add that comfort that he's going to be, you know, coming into his second year in the Joe Wood scheme, when you add the fact that he played so well last year and continued to work on his game through this offseason, he's going to have an entire offseason with Joe Woods and company. And when you consider the fact that there's 100% a role available uh, for Harrison to step into, I think we could see a big year uh, for Ronnie Harrison in 2021. I really think we could see him step up and steal a little bit of the thunder that we're all expecting John Johnson III to have. The second player who I want to talk about, and this is a player who I not ne- I've not necessarily been kind to throughout his career, but a player who I still have hope for, I'm still crossing my fingers that he could break out, is tight end David Njoku. Now, David Njoku, obviously... I would say has I don't think he's been a disappointment to this point in his career, but he hasn't lived up to his potential. Najoku was a a first round pick. The Browns that was the year that we made like a billion first round picks. What was it, 2017? Um, he was a first round pick. He came in very very young. I think he was 20 when the Browns drafted him. And the idea was, hey, this dude's got you know a Hercules esque body. He's got the athletic traits you know, the best athletic traits of any tight end in the draft, if you're able to teach him how to catch and how to, you know, run routes and how to be a fundamental catcher of the football, this guy could be really good. Now, here's the issue. We haven't seen those two things yet. David Njoku still can't catch consistently, and he still isn't like a precise route runner or anything of that magnitude. But he's a hard worker, I mean, I don't think you can really doubt that. We always see him in the gym during the offseason. We saw him go to TEU, the tight end sort of mini camp that was held by Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. That was a a, a big step in the right direction for David Njoku. He's willing to take the step to go out and to take, you know, guidance and leadership from some of the best tight ends in the National Football League. And I think that Coming into this season, similarly to Ronnie Harrison's fit with the safeties, I think there is an opportunity and an opening for David Njoku to step up and to take a big role. Because when you look at the other tight ends on this team, I think that none of them have really stepped in to become a a true number one tight end. Austin Hooper is being paid like a number one tight end, but I don't know if he's necessarily claimed that title yet. His numbers weren't necessarily overwhelming, and the role that he played in the offense last year wasn't anything massive. Harrison Bryant is another guy who I think could be sort of, you know, ready to take a leap, but he obviously is still young. He still is gaining experience, and we still don't know for sure if he's ever going to be anything more than just a rotational tight end. David Njoku right now is in prime position not only to earn more snaps this offseason, but I think if he comes out and is able to catch the football consistently early on, I think David Njoku could secure a role as the top tight end on this Browns depth chart because the thing that really sets him apart from everybody else is the chemistry that he's built up with Baker Mayfield over multiple years. So David Njoku is definitely number two. The top player who I have on this list, a player who I think we are going to see big things from in the near future is Donovan Peoples-Jones. Now, Donovan Peoples-Jones was a big brain, really smart draft pick by Andrew Barry, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with the 2021 season, 
But the 2022 seasons and after that, Browns fans are going to be very appreciative of the selection of Donovan Peoples-Jones. Now, Donovan Peoples-Jones coming out of Michigan had talent, he had potential, but he was a very raw player and a lot of NFL scouts and analysts didn't know if he was ever going to fully seize that potential at the NFL level. And I think that in his rookie season, Donovan Peoples-Jones has showed that he can, at the very least, turn into a a good receiver at the National Football League level. I mean, the the one thing that we saw from him all season was that he was able to, to step up, step in, and make plays when necessary. He had 14 receptions for 304 yards and two touchdowns. That was on a team that also featured Odell Beckham Jr. for part of the season, Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins and multiple tight ends who Baker Mayfield was throwing to at a consistent rate. Among all those receivers, Donovan Peoples-Jones was still able to go out and get his catches. And he obviously had a big catch, the you know game-winning catch in that Bengals game where Baker threw uh, five touchdown passes. He was able to step up in a big, big moment and show that he was a player who deserved to be on an NFL roster. And when you take... His performance from year one, the fact that he was able to come out and show that he has NFL skills, and you also consider the fact that he still has a ton of potential left, you know, untapped from his time at the University of Michigan, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones could be a Pro Bowl level receiver for the Browns in the near future. I don't know if he's going to be Pro Bowl in 2021, but after Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry are away from this team, after the Browns move on from those two, I think we could see Donovan Peoples-Jones step up in a big, big way. But for 2021, I still think he's going to take a leap, and I think he's going to be the third go-to receiver after Beckham, Landry, and then it's going to be Donovan Peoples-Jones. Him and Higgins, obviously, are going to compete for catches. But I think that just because of his potential, Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to step into that role and make plays for the Cleveland Browns. Those are my three players who I think could take a leap in 2021. Ronnie Harrison, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Njoku. Let me know in the comments, what other players do you think could step into a bigger role for the 2021 season? Now, let's move on. To some Cleveland Cavaliers basketball. So the NBA draft is coming up uh, towards the end of July, and obviously this is going to be a big, big day for the Cleveland Cavaliers because we have the third pick in the NBA draft. Now, the first pick, the Detroit Pistons, we basically know what Detroit's going to do. They're probably almost 100% guaranteed going to take Cade Cunningham. Uh, forward from Oklahoma State. That's nearly a given. The second pick is where things get interesting because the Houston Rockets could take Evan Mobley, the best big man in the draft, or they could take Jalen Green, who is one of the best pure scorers in the entire draft class. And many people expect that whoever the Rockets don't take, the Cavaliers will. So if the Rockets take Mobley, the Cavs will take Green. If the Rockets take Green, the Cavs will take Mobley. One player who has not been mentioned nearly as much with the third pick is Gonzaga point guard Jalen Suggs. Now, Jalen Suggs was a key part in Gonzaga's run all the way to the NCAA championship game. Obviously, they didn't win. They were uh, dethroned by Baylor, but Gonzaga put up an incredible season. 
And, you know, Jalen Suggs was one of the key players to that. He was the leader of that unit. And he was, you know, able to be a good scorer. He was a, you know, pretty good playmaker. He obviously put up, I think it was like over five rebounds per game. He was just an overall good player. And his leadership and his ability to kind of take that team and just make them better when he was on the court translated to Gonzaga having a ton of success. He didn't have any sort of, you know, stats or characteristics or anything that really stood out. Like when you look at Evan Mobley, I think what stands out most about him is that he is a modern big. He's, you know, a seven footer who can shoot threes and block shots at a high rate. That is obviously a talent that you can take and mold and, you know, turn into an all-star level talent. When you look at Jalen Green, his athleticism and his scoring ability, those are things that really set him apart from the pack. Jalen Suggs doesn't have anything like that. He's not an elite scorer. He's not an elite rebounder or playmaker or defender. He's just an overall good player for a team that won a lot of games. But the one thing that I think sets Jalen Suggs apart from the rest would have to be his trait of leadership. Jalen Suggs was a leader for Gonzaga. And that leadership is something that separates young players from the pack. I mean, when you look at some of the best young players in the NBA right now, you think about guys like Ja Morant, Luka Doncic, Trey Young. One of the things that steps or stands out in a big way about those players is their maturity. I mean, you saw Ja Morant lead his team to the NBA playoffs this year. You saw Luka Doncic obviously play a big role on a Mavericks team that had some success in the playoffs this year. You see Trey Young taking his young, young Atlanta Hawks team all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. They are still alive and they are still battling the Milwaukee Bucks, all due in part to the leadership of Trey Young. Leadership is what separates young players from the rest. And that's something that the Cavaliers don't have. The Cavaliers don't have leadership on this team. Darius Garland is not a leader. Colin Sexton is not a leader. They're good players, but they're not leaders. The Cavs were obviously hoping that Kevin Love would be willing to stay and be a sort of veteran leader for this team. He hasn't been that. There there just really aren't any leaders on this team. And I think that if you're the Cavaliers and you're looking at, say, the Atlanta Hawks, you're saying, well, what sets them apart from 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 us? What are what, what are the Hawks doing that the Cavaliers are not doing? They're landing superstars like Trey Young, who obviously can you know shoot threes from half court, who can you know make all the passes, all that. But also Trey Young is a massive, massive leader for the Atlanta Hawks. And that leadership has made his teammates better. The Cavaliers do need leadership. They need talent. They need superstars. They need a ton of stuff. They need good coaches. They need a good front office. The Cavaliers need everything. But I think the one thing the Cavaliers need the most at this point, in terms of from their players, is leadership. And if you want to have a really good leader, if you want to find a really good leader in this draft class, then you should probably pick Ja, or not Ja Morant, Jalen Suggs. I mean, he's the best leader. He's the guy who stands out. He's the leader of this class. And I don't think that's going to be the make or break factor for the Cavaliers. But if they're valuing leadership and if they think they need a guy right now who can turn their ship in the right direction, it's Jalen Suggs. And Kobe Altman and crew are going to have to consider that. They're going to have to consider Jalen Suggs' leadership. 
This has been the Mason Talk Sports Show. Let me know in the comments anything you think of any of these topics. Do you think Baker Mayfield's a system quarterback? Who do you think is going to be a sort of breakout player for the Browns? And do you think Jalen Suggs' leadership is valuable enough for the third overall pick? Thanks for listening to the Mason Talk Sports Show. I will see you in my next episode. Goodbye.